Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 1993 film, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film, or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and giving a score to the film. So press your tights, put away your exploding gas balls, and enjoy this episode. I already read it before yeah. you said it. I, I was like, I love that Alfred line in this movie. Like Alfred, this is peak. Al- this is peak everything Batman. But this is Batman the animated series. Alfred is peak Alfred, and he's just fantastic in this. But diving back into my notes, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, also known as Batman the Animated Movie: Mask of the Phantasm is a 1993 American animated romantic superhero film. The film is based on Batman the Animated Series and is the first original theatrical film produced by Warner Brothers Animations, the first film in the DC Animated Universe and the only one released theatrically. The events of the film take place between the first and second seasons of Batman the Animated Series. Its story follows Batman as he reconciles with a former lover, Andrea Beaumont, and faces a mysterious vigilante who is murdering Gotham City's crime bosses. The plot was inspired by Mike W. Barr's Batman Year Two comic book arc, but features an original antagonist, the Phantasm, in place of the Reaper, while also borrowing elements from Frank Miller's Batman Year One graphic novel, recounting how Bruce Wayne became Batman and his first attempts to fight crime. Originally planned for a direct-to-video release, Warner Brothers gave Mask of the Phantasm a, f- a theatrical release, condensing its production into a strenuous eight-month schedule. The film was the first theatrical feature film produced by Warner Brothers Animation and was released through the studio's Family Entertainment Division on December 25, 1993, to positive reviews from critics who praised the stylized animation, voice performances, story, and music. In the years since its release, Mask of the Phantasm has developed a cult following and continued to receive acclaim. In 2011, Time Magazine ranked it as one of the 10 best superhero films ever. In 2017, Screen Rant named the film the best Batman movie of all time. In 2018, Paste Magazine called the film the greatest Batman movie. In 2022, Empire Magazine named it the best Batman film Also in 2022, Rolling Stone placed Mask of the Phantasm as number 19 on the list of 50 greatest superhero movies of all time, being the only traditionally animated film included, the third best animated superhero film, and the second best Batman film of all time, only behind The Dark Knight, which was number 8. Due to the decision to release it in theaters on short notice, Mask of the Phantasm failed at the box office. With a budget of $6 million, or $12.4 million today, and a box office earnings of only $5.6 million, or $11.5 million today. After its release on home video, it became financially successful. Its success led to other animated Batman in the DC Animated Universe movies, through direct-to-video releases such as Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero in 1998, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker in 2000, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman in 2003, Batman and Harley Quinn in 2017, and Justice League vs. The Fatal Five in 2019. Until the release of Batman The Killing Joke in 2016, Mask of the Phantasm was the only animated Batman film to be given a theatrical release, as well as the only one to receive a full theatrical release until 
the Lego Batman movie in 2017. Batman Mask of the Phantasm opened on Christmas Day 1993 in the United States in 1,506 theaters, accumulating 1.2 million over its first two days. The filmmakers blamed Warner Brothers for the unsuccessful marketing campaign, which is commonly attributed to the rush production schedule due to the studio's last-minute decision to release the film theatrically. Despite this, Mask of the Phantasm eventually turned a profit with its various home media releases. Mask of the Phantasm was released on VHS and Laserdisc in April 1994. The VHS was, re- was reissued. It didn't get picked up, but Ashley said, oh, God. I'm going to punch you every uh, time you say it now. I think we're, we're well, we're not close yet, but we're getting close to, to the... To at least currently Laserdisc. The next time I bring up Laserdisc, you know, in a couple months, it'll be a callback to doing this. The VHS was reissued in April 2003 as part of a three-tape pack with Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero and Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Mask of the Phantasm was first released on DVD in December of 1999 and re-released in October 2005 as a standalone film. The film was released in April 2004 as a three-disc DVD box set that included Sub-Zero and Return of the Joker. Warner Brothers re-released the film again in April 2008 as a double feature with Sub-Zero. The film was released as part of the Warner Archive Collection on Blu-ray on July 25, 2017, featuring new high-definition transfers. The film was also included in uh, the Blu-ray release of Batman the Complete Animated Series box set in late 2018. Directed by Eric Radomski and Bruce Tim. Story by Alan Bernay, Paul Dini, Martin Pasco, and Michael Reeves. Based on Batman by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. And Bill Finger. Very and important. Bill Finger. We give credit to Bill Finger here. Okay. It's a big thing. <laughs> Uh, I, I can tell you off podcast. Okay. Basically, Bob Kane screwed Bill Finger out of everything. To keep it short, Bob Kane came up with the name Batman, and Bill Finger came up with everything else. Oh. All his, most of his villains, the Batcave, the suit, the Bat Signal. Yeah. Every, right, so every Yeah. Team Bill Finger. Yeah. Got it. And Bill Finger got no money, and Bob Kane got all the money. All right. Yeah. Cool. Bob Kane. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. produced by benjamin melnicker and michael uslin edited by al breitenbach music by shirley walker why are they all hard today shirley walker's not hard i'm talking about all the other ones yeah i'm sorry (laughs) production companies were warner brothers animation don yang animation and spectrum animation distributed by warner brothers the runtime was 78 minutes, which, oh boy, beautiful after that uh, yeah. hellhole of a two-hour movie <laughs> we will not speak about again. Look back to our previous one. Actually, I think it's going to come out this after come this. Out. Yeah, but there's an episode coming up that we did not enjoy what we watched. Stay tuned for that. Starring Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Mark Hamill as the Joker, Dana Delaney as Andrea Beaumont, Stacy Keach as Carl Boma and the Phantasm, Hart Bachner as Arthur Reeves, Abe Vigdota as Sal the Weezer Velestra, Dick Miller as Chucky Saul, John P. Ryan as Buzz Bronski, 
Robert Costanzo as Detective Harvey Bullock. Jeff Bennett provides additional voices. Arlene Sorkin as Bambi. Ephraim Zimbalis Jr. as Alfred Pennyworth. Bob Hastings as Commissioner James Gordon. Yes. Very nice enough. Oof. Yeah, that was, that, that was a lot. That was a lot. It, it, to be fair, you would have stumbled about a million more times than it me. So cut off uh, the original list. Cut off at uh, Jeff Bennett as provides additional voices, but Arlene Sor- Sorkin was the original voice of Harley Quinn, mm. so I wanted to include her on here. And I it didn't have Alfred and Commissioner Gordon, and I was like, those are two huge Batman characters. Like I get but... Commissioner Gordon isn't really in this too much, but like Pennyworth isn't like half this movie. Yeah. Like how is he not billed higher? To be honest, I don't know. But I just wanted to say before diving into the plot, HBO Max had a beautiful in remembrance of Kevin Conroy message, along with an image of him recording his lines for this film. And I, I that's the reason why we wanted to do this, because sadly, Kevin Conroy passed away. And I just thought it was very nice that they had that there for him. I don't know if it's on other Batman things that he recorded. I hope so. But, you know, this is the, the mecca of, of his Batman work, as far as I'm concerned diving into the plot we have the opening i have a bit of opening credits trivia and it's that the computer generated version of gotham city seen in the opening credits was originally designed to be used in batman the animated series tv show Uh, the purpose was to create a virtual set to replace the hand-painted backgrounds and help speed up production of the series however it was never used for that purpose it just stood out it was a little trivia note that i found and i thought it was interesting a meeting between crime lord Chucky Saul and his cronies starts one night in Gotham City. Saul is instructing his men about the procedure for laundering some new counterfeit bills through their casino when the meeting is interrupted by Batman. Batman takes out Saul's followers, but Chucky manages to get to the parking garage. Saul is greeted by a mysterious figure, who he first mistakes for Batman, stating the phrase, Your angel of death awaits. This mysterious phantasm is nearly run down by Saul's car, but tricks Saul into driving out a nearby window to his death. That's not actually true, uh, Summary. <laughs> he drove through a barricade and then yep. hit the window across the street to his death. Batman arrives on scene and observes Saul. The people below see Batman and assume he is responsible for what happened. Which, even if he was, he wasn't directly the cause of death. Like, right? Like, but people they, are they're like, all like, oh, oh. oh. Batman killed a, a mafia boss. We gotta like, get that Batman guy. Batman made a guy drive off a cliff, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, how is that his fault that this person is, like, driving erratically and yeah. crazy? It'd be like wanting to arrest a deer for causing a car accident or something. How dare you cause a car accident that causes this person to die? You need to be put down, deer. Yeah. The next morning, Councilman Arthur Reeves is giving a press conference about Batman's apparent actions. He wants to hunt down Batman and arrest the vigilante. Commissioner James Gordon is against it, since he doesn't believe Batman would do something like that. Detective Har- Harvey Bullock, on the other hand, is in favor of stopping Batman. Alfred, I, oh, I do love that Gordon just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. There, uh, I'm literally not doing that. <laughs> there is so much to the Batman-Gordon relationship in the animated series that's just fantastic. Maybe, you know, ten years from now when we're done with Once Upon a Time and other fa- maybe we'll do the Batman the Animated maybe. Series. Because that show... Well, I was, you know, I was telling Jason that I'm, like, I enjoyed watching this just because I haven't seen any animated Batman in, like, a long time. Like, mm. I don't think I've ever seen this movie. I remember seeing Sub-Zero. I can say that. Like, mm. I remember watching that, but I don't think I've ever watched this. 
to be fair, I was two when this came out, so, you know. I was six, and this was the perfect movie for me. Yeah, I definitely did not watch this, but I also, I watched enough of the animated series to be like, oh, I, like, immediately appreciated that we were jumping right right back into that animated style that I, like, instantly recognized. Yeah, this is, for people of a certain age range, whether they're older than me, younger than me, this is Batman. Like, everyone says it when they read a Batman comic, they hear Kevin Conroy's voice, like, this is the quintessential Batman. And I love, I don't have a note about this, but I love, the. I think one of the most clever things they did when they came up with the show in this movie was the blending of, like, 1930s stuff and modern technology. Like, there's computers, mm-hmm. but there's black and white TVs. Yeah. And everybody drives Studebakers and Rolls Royces. Yeah. Like, it's just this weird world that just is perfect. But diving back into the plot, Alfred and Bruce are watching the presentation in the Batcave. Batman is analyzing a chemical he found on the glass of Chucky Soul's car. Later, Councilman Reeves is in his office talking to a woman on the phone. She is flying into town after being gone for 10 years to settle some old finances. During a party at Wayne Manor, Bruce confronts Reeves about his Batman stance. Reeves counters with some remarks about Bruce's love life and mentions the name of one woman from Bruce's past, Andrea Beaumont. Bruce leaves and then uh, confronts the portrait of his parents, flashing back to his memory of meeting Andrea in a graveyard while they both visited their dead relatives, Andrea with her mother and Bruce with his parents. They both talk about how they miss their families, and Bruce slyly mentions that he made a vow to his parents upon their death and that so far he has kept it. So here's my first note. I wrote down that I could be wrong, but this scene may have a continuity error. I believe in episodes of Batman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond that the Waynes are buried on the Wayne Manor property. I could be mistaken about that. Someone maybe send us an email and let us know if I'm wrong. Yeah, I have no idea. But but... I, 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 for some reason, think that their gravestone is on the Wayne property and it's not in, like, this graveyard that everybody in the city is buried in, evidently, or at least the rich people. The night after meeting Andrea, Bruce goes out crime-fighting for the first time in his life. Decked out in a simple mask and street clothes, he confronts a group of thieves. Bruce is able to fend them off, but the thieves do not treat him as a serious threat. The next morning, after bandaging his wounds, Bruce exercises while talking to Alfred. Bruce thinks that he failed to keep control of the situation because the criminals weren't afraid of him. Andrea arrives to speak with Bruce, and before long the two have begun a romantic relationship. The flashback ends, and Bruce goes back to the party. So I have a note here saying, the uh, fighting style that Bruce is uh, shown practicing was very close to Taekwondo, despite him calling it Jiu-Jitsu, and the move that Andrea performed on him, however, was Jiu-Jitsu. And I also have a note here saying that I love how Alfred was bringing out lemonade for Bruce and Andrea, and then he saw them kissing and was like, oh, and headed back inside the house. <laughs> I love that he did that twice. That, <laughs> both times he did it, I was like, Alfred, Alfred's the best wingman. Alfred's like, oh, Alfred is fantastic. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's the ultimate wingman. That's what he wants. He wants Bruce to get buried and have kids and be normal. He doesn't, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, it, Alfred's like, oh, if you must do this, I'll be helpful. But yeah, like also, yeah. look, Miss Beaumont's yeah. here. I, also, I didn't write this down, but I love how Andrea showed up and she's like, Hey, you met me and you never called me. Like it's, it's just like like I'm fantastic. Like <laughs> and Bruce is being like, "Do you expect?" Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, yeah, 
another Gotham crime lord, Buzz Bronski, visits the grave of Chucky Saul. He hears the mysterious voice repeating, Your angel of death awaits. The phantasm has come for Bronski. The phantasm kills Bronski by pushing a huge stone angel onto him. Buzz's bodyguards see a caped figure walking away from the scene and assume that it was Batman. Later, elderly crime boss Salvatore Verlestra reads the obituary of Buzz Bronski and the news story about Batman being thought responsible for the crime. Which, <laughs> we have the testimony of these two criminals. <laughs> right. So it was definitely Batman. Um, I just love, like, imagine dying because a stone angel fell on top of yeah. you. Like, what a way to go. At least he was already in the grave. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's what we'll use it for. Who's going to go in there and clean it up? Like, it's like, eh, just throw some dirt on there. At Gotham City Central Police Department, Reeves is now more fan- uh, fanatical than ever in his crusade against Batman. Commissioner Gordon vehemently refuses to participate, so Bullock eagerly steps up. They light the bat signal, however Batman, who has been observing the interaction, ignores it and chooses to investigate the latest crime scene. After Batman collects evidence at the scene of Buzz Bronski's murder, he takes a brief moment to reflect on the graveside of his parents. Andrea Beaumont is also in the graveyard. She spots a figure at the Wayne Graves... at the Wayne's Graves... at the Wayne Graves? At the Wayne's Graves. Hmm. The Wayne's Grave. Yeah, at the Wayne's Grave. Thank you. She spots a figure at the Wayne's Grave and automatically assumes that it is Bruce. So I have a note here saying, I love this movie, but I can't help but overlook the detail that the police left behind the pickaxe head and they didn't take it into evidence, or did they just miss it? Perhaps it was purposely done to show that the Gotham City Police Department is inept. Perhaps they purposely left it so Batman would come to take it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't want to deal with this. Leave it for Batman. <laughs> as much as they're like, we got to catch Batman, they're like, yeah. let's let Batman do yeah. it. <laughs> That's probably what I would do if I was a cop in Gotham City. To be honest, this town is riddled with crime. I'd be right? Like, I'd be like, yeah, Batman's Reading your notes do- and just being like, yeah. yeah. Batman? Help! Police! Batman. Oh, Batman's gonna get it. <laughs> I'm just putting my notes here yeah. for this, uh, here, uh... <laughs> investigation right here if you want to look at them please (laughs) andrea has dinner with councilman reeves her mind uh distracted by what she saw that night batman observes her on a stakeout this triggers another flashback bruce takes andrea to the gotham world fair observing several prototype inventions including a distinctive looking car and andrea invites bruce to come and meet her father and he agrees and Bruce voices his discomfort to Alfred. His relationship with Andrea wasn't something he planned on. I appreciate all the World's Fair stuff as somebody who's into that and oh yeah, sort it's, of thing. It's, uh, it's beautiful, and it's a, you know a callback to that type of 1930s world of tomorrow. And then I love it later when it gets creepy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, ooh, yeah, creepy animatronics. Yeah, anything in Gotham that gets abandoned, you have to tear down immediately because some villain's going to be living there. You can't, mostly the Joker. Yeah, you can't leave anything in Gotham that's still nine times out of ten. Yeah. It's the Joker. Yeah. Bruce and Andrea greet Carl Beaumont, who is just finishing up business with Arthur Reeves. Reeves works for Beaumont's legal department at this time. The meeting is interrupted by Valestra, who wants to speak with Carl. Both Bruce and Andrea are suspicious of Valestra. Bruce spots a street merchant being robbed by a motorcycle gang. He goes after them, 
but his concern for, for Andrea distracts him and they get away. And I wrote a uh, note down saying, so it might be an anti-smoking propaganda, but I like the detail of how uh, Valestra was always smoking in the past and then him being on an oxygen tank in the future or in the present. I mean, it might be. I mean, this was peak anti-smoking. Yeah, but it's also so, just a detail that yeah. I like. like. I like it, it too. Yeah. That night, Bruce tries to design a costume for himself but cannot continue. Bruce knows that he cannot complete the vow he made to his parents with someone like Andrea in his life. Bruce goes to his parents' grave, his parents' grave site, that's what it should have been, his parents' grave site, uh. yeah, to try and justify his feelings. Andrea meets him, and they go home together. And my only note is this scene when Bruce begs his parents to let him be happy. This is the scene of the movie. Like, this is... Oh, yeah. Like, it's just fantastic. And then Andrea, like, showing up being like, they already have. Yeah, they, they sent, sent me. me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The voice acting just... And Conroy just nails it. Ugh. It's just a beautiful scene. In the present, when a police helicopter approaches the nearby roof, Batman is brought out of his memory trip and returns home. The next day... Councilman Reeves is approached by Valestra. Reeves confirms that Batman is apparently attacking, quote-unquote, their people. And my only note here is the look on Valestra's face when Reeves gets out of the car and, and says that it's not very healthy in there. I wrote down that I died. Because uh, Valestra just had the, like, you're calling me disgusting, like, look yeah. on his face. It cracked me up. It, it does every time. Using the back computer, Batman confirms... The two dead men, Saul and Bronsky, were partners in a phony dummy corpor uh, corporation set up at least ten years ago. There was a third man involved, Sal Valestra. Batman goes to confront Valestra. Uh, Alfred asks if Bruce will see Andrea when he is done. And I, this is one of my favorite exchanges between the two of them. Batman says to Alfred, you think you know everything about me, don't you? And Alfred says... Well, I diapered your bottom. I bloody well ought to, sir. The sass. Yeah. Sassy Alfred is best. Alfred. And then Batman has his comeback line. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> like, is it this impotent child? <laughs> like, yeah, you're wrong. Well, yeah, he's Alfred's <laughs> yeah. child. He is, yeah, in many ways. In Valestra's office, Batman finds a photo of Carl Beaumont with Valestra and the two dead men. This triggers yet another flashback. Bruce proposes to Andrea, and she happily accepts. They are interrupted by a huge swarm of bats coming from a cave below the house. Andrea returns to her father's house to see that some people have arrived to speak with Carl. She goes inside to tell her father the good news. Bruce explores the cave and marvels at its huge size. When he returns, Alfred solemnly hands him a package. Andrea has returned Bruce's ring, stating that she is leaving town and... Uh, encounter, uh, encouraging Bruce to forget her. Bruce, heartbroken, throws himself back into the plan. That very night, he dons the Batsuit for the first time. Alfred, seeing the transformation from Bruce to Batman, can only watch and remark, My God. And I, I wrote down that it's heartbreaking and epic in one flashback. And my God, no, no pun out, or you know, no, no callback to Alfred meant there. It's such good storytelling. Yeah. And the music. Oh yeah. It, yeah, like it's just amazing. So Valestra goes to an, the now abandoned World's Fair, which you love seeing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So creepy. Yeah. Which is a hideout for the Joker, who greets him like an old friend. Valestra tells him. He thinks Batman is killing off members of the old gang. The Joker notes that it is uncharacteristic behavior for Batman, 
and insists that he is not a hired gun for the mob. Valestra reminds him that if the vigilante is specifically targeting his old associates, then it's only a matter of time before they go after the Joker. And I have a note here I wrote down, in doing research for this movie, I learned that the writers initially didn't want to use any of Batman's rogues in the movie, but especially the Joker. They were afraid that it would get compared to the 1989 Batman movie. They eventually decided to use the Joker, as he is not, all, not only the most iconic Batman villain, but his unknown origin allowed them to work him into the mobster storyline. And I personally am glad that they decided to use him, because I can't picture this movie with uh, not only not, not having the Joker in it, but Mark Hamill's performance as well. So it's funny, like I said, I don't think I've ever seen this movie before, but like, I wasn't expecting the Joker to show up, like, at this point at all. So I was like, oh, the Joker's here. Why is the Joker here? Mm -hmm. And thought this was just going to be like a weird... Joker kind of, like, pops in for a hot second, like, yeah, I'm here. And then, like, that was it, like, a weird cameo, because I was like, I don't, why is the Joker here? Like, this movie has not been about the Joker. Hmm. So. If you get Batman, you're eventually going to get the Joker. <laughs> I suppose. It's, yeah, it's, it's out. Like, you're right, but yeah. also, like, because we were telling a very distinct story, I yeah. didn't, like, think about it, and then I was like, And I mean, hmm. he has a great and iconic rogues gallery. And you could use other characters, but the most famous one is the, the Joker. Joker. Yeah, and that's that's the one that you know you're going to put in your movie if you get the chance to. Andrea ends her date with Reeves and finds Batman in her room. He asks her about the men in, uh, photographed with her father, but she tells him nothing, denying any connection. Andrea states that Batman is the only one who is being controlled by his parents. After Batman leaves, Andrea collapses onto her bed, crying. And I wrote down Andrea's line to Batman about being controlled by their parents. Damn! But also, like, girl, you got a lot to think about yourself in regards to that. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's going to be revealed very shortly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Phantasm comes to visit Valestra's apartment, only to find that Saul has been given a lethal jo dose of Joker toxin. Joker, watching from a hidden camera, is shocked to see that the killer isn't really Batman. The Phantasm narrowly escapes a bomb set by the Joker. Batman confronts the Phantasm on the rooftop. A police helicopter confronts Batman, and the Phantasm uses the chance to escape. Batman hides out on a construction site, but is soon able to trick the police into attacking a phony target, losing his cape and cowl in the process. Andrea drives up as Batman is fleeing and offers him a getaway vehicle, and they elude the police. Uh, this, this is the a real big callback to Frank Miller's year one. Like, the, the, there were little things with him training and everything and the first night, where, the way that he's dressed and everything mm -hmm. when he fought those criminals. But this is a real big moment from Frank Miller's year one comic where it's very different. The SWAT team is hunting Batman down in this dilapidated building. Mm -hmm. And it, it plays out kind of the same, but he manages to escape them. <laughs> but it, it, it's just a, another epic scene. Alfred bandages Bruce's wounds while he talks to Andrea. She tells Bruce what happened the night that he proposed. A flashback reveals that Carl Beaumont is begging for his life in front of Valestra's men. Andrea walks in, and her life is jeopardized too. Valestra gives Carl 24 hours to return the money that he embezzled, or Carl will die. Andrea opposes her father's actions and does not wish to run, but Carl insists that there is no hope for them in Gotham. And I'm just very impressed with myself making it through saying Carl this many times without going... <laughs> Carl! <laughs> that kills people! We have to go to the Mediterranean! <laughs> we have to go to the Mediterranean, Carl! 
Carl. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> escape the monster or the mobsters. <laughs> um, oh man, I'm now gonna do that to Car- Carmen. Oh, no. <laughs> Poor Carmen. Um, he's probably never seen that too. He's too old. <laughs> so he doesn't understand. Love you, baby. <laughs> I think I think he's seen that. He, I, I think he's seen it. But in the present, Andrea tells Bruce that her father was eventually able to pay off his debt. But Palestra's men considered it too little, too late. Bruce thinks that the man in the phantasm costume is Carl, killing off the gangsters to finally be free of his debt. Bruce and Andrea are obviously still in love, but Bruce states that he needs to stop the phantasm. And I wrote <laughs> the second time that Alfred comes in carrying drinks and sees Bruce <laughs> yes. and Andrea making out. Yeah. And you know he's like, Yes. Got him. Didn't work last time, but this time. Got him. You know, he's been beaten up a couple times. He's got some bruises. Maybe maybe this time he'll settle down. Bruce looks at the photo he took from Valestra again. He recognizes the features of one man, and after an alteration with red ink, confirms that Valestra's former bodyguard is actually the Joker. And I want to ask ask you, Ashley, did you think Valestra's former bodyguard was no. the Joker? And <laughs> no. Did and you... again, I like I said, I wasn't expecting the Joker at all. So, like, I was expecting literally the Joker to, like, pop in, be disappointed that it wasn't the Batman actually being a crazy person killing people, and then, like, pop back out. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, now I know why the Joker's here. Like, here we go. Yeah, it's real cool. I think I audibly gasped. I was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, they draw them a little bit differently, but once you see it, it's like, oh, of course. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. stupid. Yeah. I didn't notice yeah. that earlier. Councilman Reeves is furious that Batman escaped. The Joker confronts Reeves and talks about what's been happening, mentioning that someone other than Batman is responsible for the killings. Joker uh, douses Reeves with his laughing toxin, and Reeves is hospitalized in a hysterical laughing fit. And this part always creeped me out as a kid, like the yeah, hysterical, I like, like, it. like uh, seeing all the dead bodies and stuff like that. Whatever, it's fine. The blood at the end of the movie, that's fine. But Reeves just in this hysterical laughing, like it always creeped me out watching it as a kid. I couldn't, like, oh, it was so creepy. But Batman confronts Reeves that night, confirming the details about Reeves's Reeves's connection to the Bo- the Beaumonts. Reeves kept in touch with Carl while he was abroad. <sighs> Uh, helping to set up the funds. But when Reeves asked Carl for help in financing an election, Carl refused. So, desperate for funds, Reeves sold Carl out to Valestra's mob. And I have a note here saying, imagine living in Gotham for a second. Not only do you have regular crime like any other city, but then you have serial a serial killer murdering mobsters, a masked vigilante running around beating up criminals, and then the Joker randomly attacks a city councilman. <laughs> Like, it's the craziest town to ever possibly live in. Batman searches Andrea's apartment for more clues, finding a locket with a picture of Andrea and himself inside. The phone rings and Batman answers it. It's the Joker, sending another bomb into the apartment. Batman manages to escape and recognizes the design of the plane that flew in the bomb. He deduces that the Joker is hiding out in the ruins of the Gotham World's Fair. In a final flashback... Andrea returns to her father's new home after some grocery shopping, only to find Valestra's bodyguard emerging. Fearing the worst, she drops the grocery bags and runs and runs inside. As Andrea screams in horror, the future Joker grabs an apple out of the discarded grocery bags, then casually walks away. In the present, the Phantasm confronts Joker, and Joker applauds the Phantasm's scheme. 
The phantasm is, uh, is revealed to be Andrea Beaumont, out for revenge against her father's murderers. Batman arrives and confront, confronts Andrea, who states that vengeance is now all that she has left. Batman and the Joker fight, eventually triggering a fire in the World's Fair props. Andrea grabs the Joker, vowing that her crusade will end no matter what. She disappears in an explosion, but Batman manages to get away. And I have a note here saying the place where Andrea and Bruce imagine their future together is literally destroyed. It's an obvious metaphor, but the animation is awesome and the music is epic. Yeah. Back in the Batcave, Bruce regrets not being able to save Andrea. Alfred states that it is quite possible Andrea didn't want to be saved. A glimmer in the cave attracts Bruce's attention. He finds the same locket from Andrea's apartment. Out on a cruise, Andrea gazes out at the sea, truly alone in the world. And then the end credits feature the song, I Never Even Told You, by Tia Carrera. So that's all I have for the summary. Uh, would you you like... know what I want to say yes. like about the ending is just... It's so brutal when you think about the fact that like she almost pulled Bruce away and saved him mm -hmm. like in the beginning. And like, I don't know. I think he could have tried harder to pull her back too. And like, they could have saved each other at the, like saved each other. And maybe they both didn't have to go down this weird murderous rabbit hole. And because if anything, they should understand each other better than anybody else because they've both now had this experience. And she's already pulled him back, and I don't think he'd be against that, but I don't think he did enough to try and pull her back from that like very obvious cliff. Agreed. And not only that, but something I thought of I never thought of before watching this movie was Bruce is a billionaire. Like how much money did um Carl really owe the mob? Maybe a couple hundred million? I mean, it would be awkward to ask, but you could be like, hey, future son-in-law, I'm going to be murdered un unless I pay off the mob this huge... Well, that was the thing is, Andrea was saying that it wasn't ever going to be enough. They wanted blood, so it wasn't ever going to matter. And I'm mm. like, maybe that's true, but like... I think they wanted blood because he fled. Yeah, that that's the issue is they fled. Yeah, because he gave him 24 hours to pay. Maybe he would have... Maybe Valestra would have killed, killed Carl anyway, and maybe Andrea too, but... I, it's something that I think like could have possibly solved it, having Bruce pay off their debts. I don't like, know. It's very tragic love story is. between them. Yeah, agreed. And I'll give you a little peek into the DC animated universe. The Phantasm comes back, never in anything really Batman related. Uh, well, sort of, because there's an episode of Justice League Unlimited called Epilogue, and it's supposed to be like the final episode, even though it's not really. And it takes place in the Batman Beyond timeline. And Terry finds out that he's biologically Bruce's son. Terry McGinnis is the new Batman in Batman Okay, Beyond. yeah, yeah. And he finds out that he's biologically Bruce Bruce Wayne's son. And he blames Bruce for it. He's like, you did something. Like, you're always a schemer. You're always controlling every situation. What did you do? Like, I was like my father, the guy who raised me wasn't my father. You're my father, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, long story short. Bruce didn't do it. It was this whole other organization that was like, oh, Batman's getting old. We better make another Batman. So they made Terry. But the phantasm is revealed in that, that she was supposed to assassinate Terry's parents in front of him, but refused to do it. Like she worked for that organization that made Terry and everything. 
And it's just a neat little callback to be like, oh, she still exists in this universe. We never get any resolution between her and Bruce, but it was just nice to see her pop. Like, it was like, hey, you used that character. You did the thing. Like, you did a nice you little... You did the thing. Yeah. But uh, would you like to go into your overall score? Or do you want me to? Sure, I'll, I'll go first. I, I know you're going to have good things to say no yeah. matter what. I have good things to say, too. Uh, I really enjoy this. Like I said, I haven't really watched anything Batman for a long time. Especially anything like animated Batman. That's not really my shtick. Even like as a kid, I like I vaguely remember watching it. So I, you know, I appreciate that like hit of nostalgia. I've definitely never seen this, which I think made me enjoy it more because again, I like Batman as a character. So seeing this very tragic backstory, which is really all this movie is at the end of the day, was very it was compelling and a very good story to me. And I gave it a nine out of ten. Okay. Uh, I wrote down that writing this review is tough uh, for a number of reasons. For one, it's extremely difficult for me not to just fanboy out over this movie. I was six years old when it came out, and as a huge fan of the animated series, I saw this movie in theaters and loved it ever since. The cast and crew that worked on this movie and the animated series always knocked it out of the ballpark. From the character designs to the animation to the voice acting, the look and feel of Gotham, the music, I can go on and on. Everything for me is a 10 out of 10, but it's difficult for another reason. We chose to cover this movie because of the loss of Kevin Conroy, and we wanted to honor him. And while it may sound silly to some, because I never met the man, and I assume you never met no, him either. definitely not. Yeah, it really hurts that he's gone. Not just because he was Batman, but because of the man that he was. He was always kind to his fans, always a cheerful per- person, and lived to make others feel safe and happy. He kept his battle with cancer very quiet, and it was a shock to me, like many others, when he passed. And I just want to say he will be missed, but never forgotten. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I think we're good. Well, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Unlike Pete's dragon. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.